One of the early things that's worked really well for us is just making ourselves available all the time. You know, we have a lot of customers in Australia, so we're no stranger to doing midnight demos. Uh, and we love that. They've asked to see the app and we want to we want to honor that interest and hopefully bring them on board as a customer. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. jump into today's interview if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well that would be a huge help to the podcast so if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well thanks so much all right everybody today we have brandon bruce who's one of the co-founders of serious insight which helps you attract emails, book meetings, set follow-ups, and more. Basically, it helps you close more deals. Brandon, how's it going? Hey, Eric, doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my co-founder, Ryan Huff, and I started Sirius Insight almost five years ago now. It was the first application that connected Salesforce with Gmail. So we had been living in Gmail, talking with customers there. Meanwhile, all of our customer data was being stored in Salesforce. And to be honest, we just got tired of jumping back and forth between two tabs in our web browser. So we figured a better way to do it would be every time we opened up an email in Gmail, we wanted to see the customer data without having to leave the inbox. So credit to Ryan, he's the technical architect. He built a really great Gmail extension for Chrome that enabled us to do that starting five years ago. And then my responsibility was really to get out and and talk with customers and partners and and try to build out the go-to-market for it. Thankfully, Google has grown really fast during that time period, and Salesforce has grown extraordinarily fast over that time period. So it was a really good market uh, to be first in, and we've benefited from the growth of both companies, and now we're able to serve a lot of really neat organizations from some of Salesforce's largest enterprise customers to a lot of higher ed, universities, to a lot of nonprofits, which I love to work with because most of my work history is actually in the nonprofit field. So starting a software company was something very brand new. Cool. Great. So how's the company doing today? What can you, t- what can you speak to around number of customers, revenues, things like that? Yeah, sure. So, so we're on about a 10 million run rate right at the moment. Ryan and I started it, just the two of us, about five years ago. We've now grown to a team of 60. We have two primary locations uh, where I am in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, where Ryan is with our engineering team in Irvine and California. Uh, and we have uh, several other scattered locations. But we've really benefited from building you know, great teams in both of our spots. And uh, I think the market continues to grow. I think one of the interesting things is that we originally started, like I described, just to integrate these two growing cloud platforms, Google and Salesforce. And that's how, that's how we really approach the market. Now, the market's really taken shape and started to get definition around the concepts of you know, sales enablement, sales operations, sales acceleration. Those are kind of categories of buzzwords that are out there. But as the words swirl around, we're starting to see this emerging category of, of really tools for salespeople. So whereas there have been CRMs like Salesforce, Dynamics, SAP, et cetera, that help sales teams to keep track and report on deals, now we're seeing the emergence of a lot of tools to actually help salespeople do their jobs, right? Focus on communicating with their customers by providing them with uh, all the advantages of technology. So we're excited to be in that space and, and to be in it 
relatively early. Yeah, and we've talked to a lot of different uh, co-founders of, of sales tools on this podcast, and a lot of them seem, I mean, all of them are, are on fire right now. Everyone seems to be doing really well. So I guess in, in this space, I mean, you know, there's there's overlap definitely with a, with a couple of uh, competitors out there. So how do you guys stand out from them? Yeah, and actually, it was it, conveniently, I was asked that by one of our prospects yesterday that, that, that spoke honestly and said, hey, I'm trying to figure out where Serious Insight fits into the sales stack. And I thought, well, that's a great question. My answer really was that, that we're, we're a Swiss army knife for salespeople that work with Salesforce. So whereas there are a lot of what we'll call you know, point solutions that really focus on a single feature of functionality and they do those things really well, things like email tracking or templates or queuing messages to send in the future, et cetera, Serious Insight has all of those productivity tools built in, so it's good at all of them. But really, it's designed to enable you to update and create records in Salesforce without being inside of Salesforce. So we like to explain to customers that if you can see and do it in Salesforce, then you can see and do it in Serious Insight. The big benefit, though, is that you can stay in your inbox. So you know, a busy salesperson might be doing 100, 200, maybe even more emails per day. And rather than jumping back and forth between Salesforce and Gmail or Outlook, they can stay in the browser or stay in Outlook and get all that work done. So everything from creating new leads and contacts, updating and closing opportunities, escalating cases, setting follow-up reminder tasks, uh, scheduling meetings by embedding your calendar availability into an email message, which is certainly one of my favorite features, basically helps you to get those relationships jump-started with customers and then keep Salesforce always up to date. Awesome. And what, what kind of size is this ideal for a company size? Yeah, it's a great question. So we frequently get asked about, you know, wh- where are your customers? What industries do you serve? What size are they? And what's interesting for us is kind of being that, that Swiss Army knife, we can really be valuable to any customer that uses Salesforce. So our customers range from, you know, thousands of seat enterprises in the manufacturing and pharma, telecom and financial services sectors to, you know, very small startups or nonprofits that may have five or 10 seats or even fewer of Salesforce. So it's really across the board. We've got a a global customer base. Companies are all sizes and and all industries. Great. And how much does it cost to use? How does your pricing structure work? Yes, we have two plans of Serious Insight. It starts at $19 a user a month. Uh, We have a plan with some more premium features. It's at $29 user a month. And we anticipate later this year, we've got some pretty big features in development at the moment that will come out uh, right around the time of Dreamforce in a couple months. So certainly any listeners that are interested, uh, they can get in touch with us and we can invite them to some beta versions of our app that we'll be testing between now and then. But we anticipate adding some some additional premium levels uh, as we get closer to Dreamforce. Does premium level include Salesforce IQ integration? Uh, that's a good question. So Salesforce <laughs> IQ... That's a selfish question. It, yeah, Salesforce IQ, of course, is a, is a totally separate CRM from Salesforce. So for a lot of SMBs, it's a great platform. It runs on Amazon Web Services like we do and like, like most startups do. And, and it, it is a really cool platform. So they have their own extension that works directly with Salesforce IQ as a CRM. Our focus is on users of you know, sales cloud, service cloud, marketing cloud. They're using kind of a full-blown Salesforce experience. Great. So how did you go about acquiring, let's just say, your first 500 customers? Yeah, honestly, I think, you know, Ryan and I, the two of us ran the company together for the first nine months before, you know, we hired on our first teammates. So, you know, those first, basically a thousand customers were folks that 
I especially knew directly. Frequently, Ryan and I were both talking with them, but oftentimes Ryan was handling the technical development and I was talking with the customer. So a lot of those early ones, you know, our start came from essentially carpetbagging Dreamforce uh, over five years ago. So showing up to the conference with some, with some pretty inexpensive postcards that just said, if you use Gmail and you would like it to connect with Salesforce, come visit us on the web. And then we had a very simple one-page website that I hope we save a screenshot of somewhere because it didn't look uh, super nice or anything. But it basically said, enter in your email address and we'll invite you to the pilot of Cirrus Insight to check it out. And uh, we were very grateful. We had about 1,000 people join for the pilot and provide a lot of great feedback and essentially define our roadmap for the next year. But really, we were left at that point with the question of do we launch or do we keep coding for another six months and get at least you know, half of these really interesting features into the app. We had an early customer, though, find a version of our website that we didn't realize Google was able to index. But that website included a sign-up page that we hadn't tested. We didn't know if it would work or not. And the customer went and put through a credit card and, and sent us a payment for the app, which we hadn't started charging for. So we contacted them and said, hey, we're going to provide the app for free to you for another you know, six months because your pilot users provide a lot of great feedback. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just be your first customer. We'll buy it as soon as it's for sale anyway. And that kind of gave us the push over the edge to say, I guess the product's ready enough, right? So kind of the classic minimum viable product argument. So, so we launched it, and I'm glad that we did. It got us into the market early and then got us even more users and feedback. But it was from that pilot group of about 1,000 people that, that certainly that we got our first 500 customers and, and even, even beyond. Oh, that's so smart. So you guys basically, just going back to the, the, the whole uh, Dreamforce the, the tactic that you guys had, you guys just printed out a bunch of business cards and it literally just said what you guys do in like one sentence and that was it? That was it. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a simple business card, postcard-sized handout that led to a really simple one-page website with, with one form on it to enter in your email address. And from there, that got people into the pilot. And from the pilot, they became you know, our earliest customers and our earliest evangelists which was really helpful. You know, these were folks that are early adopters of technology that were willing to try something, that were willing to go through, you know, the ups and downs of a new software application and provide us the feedback that we needed to get the app, you know, up to snuff so that it could be, you know, really useful for professional salespeople that are always hustling. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great way to get to know our customers well. And thankfully, a lot of those early folks are still our customers. So they've, they've been with us through you know, hundreds of iterations because we, we update the app at least, you know, once, oftentimes several times a week. Uh, so it's been helpful to have a lot of those early customers follow, follow us along and be able to continue to deliver features for them. Right. Okay. So, God, if you guys could have like an image of that or something, we'd love to drop that in the show notes. Do you have any, like, any of those postcards left? Yeah, I'm going to try to find some. Ryan, especially, I think he's the one that drew them up originally. So I'll have to, I'll have to ping him and see if he has a photo or has an actual postcard from the archives. Uh, maybe I can find a version of our old website too. Yeah, usually, I mean, you know, when I ask this question, you know, the response is some form of form of hand to hand combat, and then sometimes you get gems like this, where it's just like, hey, here's something you can actually go do, and this is really relevant to something that we're doing right now, where we're actually launching a little Slack bot. So, you know, it's it's, it's a tactic I'd love to steal. So, uh, probably yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think it also kind of informed how we've done business since, which is that, you know, we, we don't, we never want to hide the ball. You know, we never want to be difficult for our customers to get in touch with us. So one of the early things that's worked really well for us is just making ourselves available all the time. You know, if a customer wants to schedule time with us, we have all of our calendars 
on the web and they can just grab time with us and we'll meet with them pretty much any time. You know, we have a lot of customers in Australia, so we're no stranger to doing midnight demos. Uh, and we love that, you know, it's, it's convenient for the customer. They, they've asked to see the app and we want to, we want to honor that interest and hopefully bring them on board as a customer. Love it. So yeah, it started with postcards. Now, now we're super advanced, right? We use online calendars. <laughs> <laughs> so what's working for you guys nowadays in terms of customer acquisition? What's super effective? You know, the number one thing, because we have a form on our site, that, you know, how did you hear about us when someone starts a trial or when someone buys the app? You know, how do you first hear about us? Is, is that it comes from word of mouth. And I think that's probably true for most companies that have been in the market more than a few years. We've got a great outbound team. So we have a team of SDRs. We call it outbound because they're reaching out into the world, getting in touch with folks. That's very important for us. So word of mouth, uh, direct traffic. You know, we have a very active website and blogs, a lot of SEO. But direct sales is very important. And then we've built out, you know, a pretty large channel network, you know, several hundred Salesforce consulting partners that know Serious Insight, that know how it works, know how valuable it can be for their customers that refer us into deals. A lot of account executives at Google and Microsoft and Salesforce that have used our application are making great intros to their customers when they know that we can be useful. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a multi-channel effort. And I think what's interesting, you know, and, 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 and we're certainly no experts at it and probably folks that do marketing that may be listening to this, you know, we try to track back and look at customers. You know, how did we acquire the customer? And, and frankly, it can be pretty difficult to pinpoint exactly where they came from. It's like, well, the first touch might have been in an event that we sponsored. And then a couple months later, they came to a webinar. And then our direct sales team called them. And then they went dark for a while. And then they came back again and started a trial. And then we sent them something in the mail. And we connected with them on LinkedIn. And then they called us. And then they signed up. So what was the most important thing? Probably the most important thing was to do all of those things. So it's really, it's a really pretty multi-channel effort at this point. We, we try our best to attribute value where we can, but some of it is just staying as active as possible in the market. Awesome. So let's say, let's say, okay, you're, you're doing the multi-channel thing right now, but let's say hypothetically tomorrow you woke up and somebody said, this is Brandon, this is life or death. You can only use one channel moving forward. What is it going to be? I mean, I think going back to our roots, having, having gone to that conference early on and handed out postcards and just actually met customers and gotten their feedback face-to-face, we continue to benefit a lot from that, in part because we have some folks on the team that are legitimately world-class at events. You know, they go there and they just love talking with people and they'll talk with people for, you know, 48 hours if it's a two-day event, just straight. So getting in front of, of customers and prospects and partners Understanding their business, you know, getting into kind of the nuts and bolts of sales operations and how our application can be useful in facilitating those workflows. You know, that, that's what we're into. So we're kind, of, we're kind of business operations geeks in terms of that's how we help our customers, but it's also how we, we operate our business. We're not, we're not a particularly flashy company. We're, we're just operators. Uh, we like running the business. We like trying to figure out, you know, little ways to hack it, little ways to expand. Love it. Okay, so let's go. I want, I want to go back to the, or go a little deep here. So are you ready for that? Sure. All right, so tell us one big struggle you faced while growing the business. You know, I think for us, we, we were consistently trying to figure out if the right thing for us was to go out and, and raise a lot of money. So we've seen a lot of great companies go out and get backing from, you know, really reputable, you know, smart money institutional investors in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. And some people were telling us, hey, you're going to get left behind. These folks are going to have a lot of money and they're going to run circles around you, which was certainly threatening to us at the time. 
but our just kind of the way that we operate the business has always been, like I described before, pretty nuts and bolts. And so, so we benefited early on from having some great angel investors, including friends and family and some of our early customers that backed us, but we haven't taken on any institutional investment. And I think there's pros and cons to that. On the one hand, we, we don't have a war chest uh, like some companies might. On the other hand, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty conservative. So we try to test things and fail fast. And if they work, we double down on them and we feel pretty confident about our investments. But we do have to, we do have to make sure not to take too many big risks, but that keeps us focused on the core product and making sure whatever we do, we can connect it to value for the customer. But I think that ongoing is, is, has always been a challenge and will continue to be as, as the economy fluctuates and as our market gets more definition, we'll have to decide what the best pathway is for us from a financial perspective. Love it. Okay. What's one big thing, positive or negative, that has impacted your life dramatically? Oh, for me, I, it was on a personal level, but also on a business level, it was, it was having kids. So, so my wife and I now have two wonderful children. My daughter, Sonoma, was born about a year, a year and a half before Ryan and I launched Serious Insight. My son was born the day after we launched our website. So the day after we went public. So I was really hustling to get the website done because I knew that he was, he was on his way. But having, having kids around, I mean, it presents uh, challenges, as all of us that are parents know, but it's really been great for me because the kids are so active. They've got so much energy and they're so creative that watching them, playing with them, you know, building Lego sets, going on train rides, stuff like that has made growing, you know, a, a bootstrap hustling startup all that much more fun. So for me, that's been true. Our, our company is uh, very family friendly. We've got a lot of folks with young kids uh, that work here. That's kind of our demographic. And uh, so, yeah, that's been the best part for sure. Awesome. And how old are you right now? Uh, so I'm 37. 37. Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 24-year-old self? You know, I think one thing that I'm glad that I did, that it was hard to attribute, you know, quote unquote, ROI to at the time, was I read a lot of books. I was fascinated by entrepreneurship and about, you know, the successes of the tech companies coming out of the valley. And so I just consumed a lot of content. And it was difficult to tell at that time whether that was useful or not, but it didn't matter. I was just so fascinated by it. So doing all that reading was great. You know, I, I forayed into a couple early ventures, except they weren't full-blown businesses. They were more kind of projects that had start and end dates. So kind of more service-based consulting work, which gave me a lot of great experience. If I could give myself a piece of advice, though, it would be to jump in, you know, headfirst 100% into a, into a full-blown venture, uh, into a startup, and try to get it going, you know, as early as possible. Because what I've found is, is that as useful as all that reading was, and I would do it all over again, because I think the stories are so great, uh, you really learn the most on the job. So, you know, we, that's one of the things that I love about it is that we learn new things and come up with new ways to go to market and new ways to build technology every day. And so I would, uh, I would start earlier because uh, it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade it for any other type of job. Love it. So start early and learn by doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't work out, but you're guaranteed to have, have learned something. Like they say, we all we all call experience the things that, that don't work out. Uh, success is when they do work out. Naturally, all of us are trying to make things successful, but there's no guarantees. But I think you'll have enough fun along the way and you'll learn so much. It's the most valuable education I think any of us can get is uh, just starting something from scratch because then you have to figure out everything. 
uh, you'll get a lot of help. You'll have mentors. You'll have folks that come on board your team that do things you know better than you do that can contribute. Uh, but you'll still have to learn a lot along the way. Totally agree. So I guess another question I have off the top of my head: uh, What's one big change you made in the last year that's really impacted your business? I think one of the biggest things we've done and, and uh, is adding a, a customer success team. So that's always been a focus for us: is making sure you know we stick with our customers beyond just the point of sign up, but make sure they get on board with the app and they're well trained and well versed in their own business process and how our how Serious Insight can help them with that. But we didn't have a defined customer success team. Uh, that's something that we just started adding in the last, you know, 12, 18 months. And that's been a really important step for us because it, it took some of the burden off of the, the sales team and the support team that was kind of, you know, tag teaming on the success role and instead made it a very defined role where our customers have, you know, a single point of contact with a customer success manager that's responsible for shepherding them through, you know, new releases, new features, changes in their businesses, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera. And it's been great. So it's, it's only brought us closer to our customers. And in that sense, it's something that would have been good for us to do sooner. Uh, but honestly, it's, you know, it's just in the last few years that customer success, in addition to sales acceleration, has really become a category in and of itself where you're seeing a lot of big, big, strong companies emerge out of that space. And uh, yeah, I think all those companies have really bright futures because it's such an important role. So we're getting a lot of value out of that. Love it. And how has that customer success team affected your churn rates? No, it's definitely, it's definitely reduced churn uh, for obvious reasons. We're, we're close to the customers. So if something goes sideways, you know, they need help. Their business rules have changed, et cetera. We can get in early rather than, you know, a customer can get frustrated if things have changed on their end and software doesn't match up with how they want to do business anymore. So it's reduced churn and it's also increased expansion. So when we're in with the customer, working with them directly more frequently, then there's more opportunities for them to say, hey, you know, our sales team's really liking this. You ought to talk with our support team because they also use their calendars a lot to schedule, you know, support ticket reviews with customers. And they could benefit from Serious Insights calendar sync and booking tools. So we'll say, oh, great. And they'll make the intro. And then, you know, we're able to make an expansion sale. So, you know, for us and probably anybody that's been in the market, you know, for more than a couple of years, one of the biggest and most important sources of revenue is expansion revenue among your existing customer base. And so the customer success team on our side has been instrumental for that. Got it. And what was your churn before and what is it now after the customer success team? That's a great question. You know, I think our goal is to have it be, you know, single digits. Our goal is to get under, under 10% for the year. We're not there yet, but we're heading in that direction, which is a good sign. I think that it's, at its peak, it was probably... You know, is certainly certainly double digits. You know, somewhere between ten and twenty percent. Uh, but now we're starting to move that downward toward the ten percent goal, which is where we'd like to be. Obviously, we'd like it to be zero, but that's unlikely. You know, businesses go out of business; things change frequently. Our our net churn uh, tends to be zero or negative. In other words, our expansion tends to exceed churn, which is good. But nevertheless, you always want to try to reduce your, your top line churn of just, you know, your loss of customers. So, yeah, so we're working on reducing that, but that's our progress so far. Great. That's great. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Oh, I'm reading a ton of books lately. You know, I'm kind of going back to my roots. When I was younger, I loved to read books by uh, the physicist Richard Feynman. And I just read a couple by him recently uh, that I loved. One of them was, was uh, gained its title from a quote from his wife who said, what, what do you care what other people think? 
And, uh, you know, what a great line for folks that are entrepreneurs, right, that are in the arena, willing to mix it up and uh, try to create something. So the book, of course, is great for anyone that's read Richard Feynman stuff. It's full of it's full of clever vignettes, but also some really interesting science. So, yeah, so those are those are kind of off the beaten path. Great books for for entrepreneurs from a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Awesome. That will be in the show notes for everyone. I think that's I'm going to have to one click order that after this. Brandon, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Hey, thanks, Eric. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, active on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com slash Brandon Bruce, our website, obviously, cirrusinsight.com. And then we're on Twitter at at cirrusinsight, C-I-R-R-U-S, insight. Uh, So yeah, look forward to talking with anybody and everybody that wants to reach out. Yeah, everyone make sure to check it out. If you're interested in growing your sales, this is the tool for you. Uh, So make sure to go to seriousinsight.com. Brandon, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.